This is Rating Descending. Where we watch IMDb's worst 250 movies so you don't have to. My name is Michelle St. Clair. And I'm Abigail Ward. And this week we watched Cabin Fever 2 Spring Fever. A high school prom faces a deadly threat, a flesh-eating virus that spreads via a popular brand of bottled water. Let's watch. Michelle, I can't believe that I spent 26 years of my life not on antidepressants. Okay, wait, hang on. Because I think it's good that some of those years weren't, like, I don't think from the, as you were born, the doctor should, here's a Xanax, hello, I'm the doctor. I think that technology should be at a point where they can analyze my brain and be like, oh, look, this woman suffers from chronic anxiety. She frets too much and worries too much. Like, we know she will. I can see this in in the map of the brain that we have acquired in this hologram technology that we now use in our floating hospitals. And I'm going to prescribe her some SSRIs for the rest of her life so she can grow up happy and normal and not have to suffer through years of not understanding why her brain works in certain processes and spirals that lead her to suffer from extra mental illnesses just on top of fundamental anxiety. Yes, but have you considered all baby a little anxious? That's why they cry so much. Mm, baby do be anxious. Baby do, baby be, do anxious. be anxious. But I'm glad that That's you at true. least have, are at a point where you have antidepressants now. I don't want to distract from that with my baby anxious <laughs> talk. <laughs> we could go down the tangent of baby anxious, but all babies are anxious. T- we're being That's my very talk. serious I'll today. It separately uh, on the future of Patreon. <laughs> No, this is a very serious conversation about my mental yeah. health and me and Abby and me and me and me I and me and my we, mental health and me. I the baby. Oh, are you anxious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Because baby be anxious sometimes. And that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. No, I, now I'm over okay. it. No, no, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's done. No, I literally... So I, I started therapy last year because my mental health really plummeted and it's been... Good. It has been good, but it's also like a slow process for me because every time I'm on my way to therapy, I'm like, well, what the fuck am I meant to talk about for an hour? Like, I don't even know. And then I sit there and I rant at her for like an hour about everything on my mind. And I walk away like feeling like that wasn't enough time. Yeah. I had like three sessions with her and she went, I think you should start antidepressants. And I was just like blown away. I was like, number one, uh, I'm not depressed. And she was like, <laughs> that doesn't matter (laughs) like that's not the point also you described a a, a very common and understandable thing of going to your therapist finding you had too much to talk about and then going do i need this yeah i'm like every time i (laughs) walk away and i have a revelation it helps me work through something and every time on the way there i'm like what will i get out of it this time probably nothing but every time i walk away kind of in tears but in like a good way because i think i've realized something like second Mm. session we just talked about my childhood and how I used to hide the fact that I was crying. And then I got home really upset and Claude was like, what's the matter? And I had this impulse to hide that I was crying. And I was like, that was a lot. Anyway, it's so good. I feel like the first time I popped a little SSRI, I'm on sertraline. It's so dumb. It's like, I thought that it would be like this gradual buildup and I would only notice, like I would only feel different over time. But from the moment I took it, basically within 20 minutes, I just felt a noticeable change. Like my brain was wired differently. Can't even explain it. Like, No, I know what you mean. When I started my antidepressants, 
estrogen i had the same sort of immediacy (laughs) it felt great (laughs) i remember just sitting on the couch and don't get me wrong first week i spent like zoinked out of my fucking mind like i felt like this like absolutely like lifeless vessel (laughs) oh what the and like i went to (laughs) this is bad radio (laughs) (laughs) i went (laughs) i went to claude's like family christmas dinner having just popped a fucking sertraline and i swear to god i looked at my pupils before i left and they were huge i was like i look fucking high and i felt high like i felt like i was on amphetamines and i spent the whole dinner disassociating and his mom was like are you okay and i was like no i feel really fucking high and i just started <laughs> antidepressants and she was like oh hun <laughs> so that was nice but it's it's such a good shift like i've been on them for three to four weeks at this point and it's just been that n- better than ever like probably better than ever i feel like so my good. anxiety is still there but it's not like this pressing thing in my mind all the time like i felt like i'd just wake up and all i'd think about is catastrophe like all i would do is catastrophize my day i catastrophize my relationship i'd catastrophize just my life in general like i'd wake up with this feeling of dread of oh my god everything's gonna go wrong today and forever and the rest of my life and now i wake up and i'm like cool i'm awake this is a weird month to begin to have that feeling i know (laughs) just as my mental health is climbing up the rest of the world is just exploding (laughs) I mean, hey, maybe, you know, can you recommend me your therapist and your doctor, pretty please? I would love to yeah. feel like it's not collapsing. That'd be great. She also made me realize, and so is this podcast, that I talk really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I no, talk really oh, fucking yeah. fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, both of us do, but uh, I, yeah. you, you talk very, very quite quickly. But you, you talk yeah. very real quick. Ooh, much, much speak. Much, much speak. But then when I went on my antidepressants, like the first time I saw her afterwards, she was like, you're talking slower than I've ever heard you talk. And I still felt like I was talking really fast. So I was like, how fucking fast do I and speak? And then you being Abby went, is that a threat? Oh, I literally went, is that bad? Like I started freaking out in front of her. And she was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I thought I was doing like, a bit. it really but... threw me. <laughs> and she was like, let's fucking up that dosage. But speaking of, of unexpected threats, this week we watched Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. Boy, did we. I just watched it. Mm. It's really fresh in my mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've called wow i'll say one thing mm-hmm. i'm excited I'm gonna for you say to say a lot many of things. things yeah <laughs> yeah i think i'll just keep it to one and then i'll oh, please don't tap please, out please expand. You, you keep going but i've actually oh, okay. got an appointment um it's gonna be a solo I, michelle episode <laughs> yeah i've got to go in five so you just take over i found this film semi-enjoyable in yes. that when i would miss a bit I made sure to go back and make sure that I watched it because I didn't mm. want to miss anything. Mm. So that was what confused me about this film. Like it yeah. was tongue in cheek and kind yeah. of fun. And in the last moments, like in the final like action sequences, I was like going back to make sure I didn't miss something and that like I wanted to see what happened to all the characters. So just straight off, like I kind of enjoyed myself. I kind of liked it. No, I get what you mean. I finished it uh, today. I watched most of it yesterday but i watched cabin fever one immediately before it because i was like well i should know what happens in the first one uh want to get out of the way i really do not care for cabin fever one it sucks no i don't get why eli roth is so praised for it it's badly paced it, it yes. really likes dropping slurs it gets a couple yes. of good jokes in and then it's so flat for the rest of it Boy, i just that remember movie sucks. Look- I've seen Cabin Fever one, maybe two times, like Mm. ages ago. I think as a kid I rented it and then I think we watched it together and we were both like baffled by it. And I was like, yeah, I don't remember this film. I don't fucking get it. 
Did we watch it together? You or and am I, I making that up? No, I don't think yeah. we watched it together. Oh. We watched the pancake well, I, scene, which I mistakenly thought was from oh, too. But maybe we that's what we saw. Yeah. Yeah, that, that fucking first film, man. I just remember I watched it probably twice because I watched it the second time being like, oh, it's a horror comedy. Maybe I misunderstood it as a kid. Maybe it was good. Went back and watched it again. And I was like, this is fucking trash. Like, it's not even mm. funny. Like, you can't label a horror comedy a comedy, like a horror comedy without the element of comedy. And it's just not funny enough to be a horror comedy. If anything, it's just yeah. like, you're not laughing at the jokes because you're not sure you're meant to laugh at it. So the tone is off. So you're like, is this just a bad horror or is it a horror comedy? And I just... It doesn't hit the mark at any point. Whereas in yeah. this film, I'm like, they're at a prom. Like, yeah. there's kids involved. Like, they kind of set the tone straight off the bat. I and I found some bits genuinely funny. I can't tell you the absolute relief after getting through the slog of Cabin Fever 1 when this movie opens, the guy gets obliterated by the bus and then it freeze frames and then in spooky like blood writing says Cabin Fever 2. And I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be great. This is going to be really... I was I dreading say- watching this. <laughs> Yeah, and like the cop that arrives because the film yes. starts with with the remains of one of the guys from the first cabin fever getting hit by a bus, and the cop arrives to check it out. There's blood all over the school bus, mm-hmm. and the cop's just like saying it's a moose, and that the bus driver doesn't need to worry. But he's like, he kind of talks like this, man, and yeah, like, you man. know, it's all cool. And I was like deep and pussy, and like <laughs> this film is full of crass, bad jokes, and like, but it's so tongue in cheek you know that it's just like the screenwriters and directors fucking around with like the way that people perceive comedy these days. Like I didn't think it was like, I never felt offended by this film because it was too tongue in cheek for me to feel offended. Yeah. It, I, I think making it more comedy was a, was a good choice overall. I think there's still some bits that I don't like in general. I think there's still fundamental flaws with the premise where I'm like, yeah, I get why oh, yeah. this has a low score, but you know, I, Given the kind of like horror slasher things we've seen on this list, I it could have been way worse. All of the I fucking was consensual and I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. And like there was like really crass misogynistic jokes, but like yeah. not at really at the expense of women, more at the expense of the men being like, yeah. look how fucking creepy these dudes are rather than being like, look how fucking hurt this woman the is. First it's more one like has these like, guys are gross. The first one has like production stories of Eli Roth insisting the women show uh, show themselves more naked, even though they don't want yeah. to like fuck Eli Roth, man, get him out of here. Is, Eli Roth is just bad vibes. Always like I've yeah. ne- bad energy with Eli Roth. Like, I've never enjoyed anything he's really done. I've never enjoyed him as an actor. I also get him always confused in my mind with Zachary Quinto, but I hear that Zachary Quinto is actually, like, a sweet baby angel and Eli Roth is just a piece of well, shit. they're on the same uh, alignment chart. <laughs> 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 Zachary Quinto is neutral good. Eli Roth is, like, a neutral evil, right? They're on that axis. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Maybe chaotic evil even because I feel like this script is just... I feel like he was kind of like, mm. let's see how much I can get away with. Like, I'm fine. There I'm is a, a lot maniac. of that energy to that. Um, I'll get yeah. into the overview so that we can talk about the movie in more detail because there is actually like a lot that we can talk about in a really fun way. Yeah, baby. First, some key details. This was released in 2009. Cabin Fever 1 was 2002, so it was quite a while before they made a sequel. It was directed by Ty West who also did The Roost and The House of the Devil, and he mostly does, like, episodes of horror TV nowadays. Um, And it's starring Noah Sagan, who, in particular, I was looking him up because I was like, why does he look familiar? Does a lot of stuff with 
Ryan Johnson, the one that we would most recognize is he's Trooper Wagner in Knives Out, the the non-Lakeith Stanfield cop. You know how there's the oh. two? He's that guy. He's got such a strange face, like not a typical Hollywood actor's face. Like he's very, I feel like his face is so, yeah, I feel like he's got very distinctive features. I'm almost surprised I couldn't recognize him from anything. Yeah, on the on the character creator, his sliders are in the middle. You know, he's <laughs> they're just, all in the middle. He just looks and like all a very guy. Long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if anything, they're elongated a little bit. I think he looks better like a decade after the uh, after this than this. Like he looks great now. Um, I also- love people that age well. I hope that mm. I'll be one of those people. I hope my glow up is like in my forties. Then I have so much to look forward to. I think you'll look great in your forties, but. It's also got Alexi Wasser um, and Giuseppe Andrews plays the cop. And I love that his name is Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Has he, like, been in anything else? Because I've never seen him in anything. He was one of the only other cast members who had uh, the blue highlighted, uh, you know, hyperlink on, on his... Oh, it's that kind of film. It's that kind of <laughs> oh, film. Fuck. Yeah, oh, yeah. Goddamn. Um, so these are, like, full, genuinely full of high schoolers that never did anything else. Let me put it this way. He has been in and acted in a lot. He's acted in and directed a lot of stuff. And almost everything he's ever directed doesn't have a hyperlink, right? Like Some people would it, call that art house. <laughs> some people would. Um, but yes, it is that kind of film where everyone is an actual teenager with no experience, except for Noah Sagan, who is very clearly 30. Um, the budget, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> the budget was really hard to find. Budget was five million, as far as one source said, and the box office was seven hundred and six thousand dollars because it had no theatrical release. It was direct to DVD after one, after two festivals. That's why did they expect anything else from direct to DVD release? Like, I don't. How I can think, you can't make money that way? I don't I think that's... some DVDs sell like hotcakes. Who knows? But they were trying to do direct to DVD in two thousand nine, right? Like this was this was the 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 bells are ringing, the the death doors are knocking. Direct to DVD is such an odd concept when you think about it, because I've only ever bought DVDs of things I have straight watched. Straight to stream. <clears throat> I don't commit. Straight to stream. So. <clears throat> A straight to stream is the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the same energy. You go to a place and yeah. browse and then you pick up something. But straight to stream is slightly different because when you're going to a DVD shop, you're basically sinking like $14 into a new DVD, but $14 buys you a four-month no, subscription no, 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 of no. a streaming service. Rentals. 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 You go to Video oh. Easy and then you browse yeah. and you find something that was direct to DVD. You spend $3 and you rent it. That's so like, much less money, though, than buying a full... Because the thing is, I think the commitment is you're fucking paying $15 to $25 for a new DVD or Blu-ray or something that you haven't seen before, and it's going to sit in your house forever. If you're renting something, when it exists digitally, it doesn't feel like as much of a commitment, and it's like 3 bucks to rent it. I both don't disagree that they probably weren't raking it in, but some DVD home sales are like millions of dollars, right? So, like... But that's for like a highly anticipated thing, not fucking Cabin Fever 2. All right, look, no there's a reason they're out of business, cabin okay? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to defend this movie. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you fucking love this movie. Here's well, my the... question is, did Eli Roth direct it? No, Ty West did. A man right. who is way more of a skinny white Jewish man than I expected from the name Ty West. Yeah, Ty West sounds like a hunky, like Eurasian 
man. That's my oh, I thought I had him. assumed he was kind of a cool, uh, like tortoise shell glasses black guy, uh, like oh, Barry nice. Jenkins. You know, nice. Our our visions should fight each other. <laughs> and we'll see who wins. It's definitely my I, I don't think, guy. I don't think we should get this Eurasian guy and this black guy to fight. <laughs> so I don't think we should do that. <laughs> but we're women. So oh, that's we true. Can be, that's true. <laughs> we can get away with it. All yeah, right. we can do anything. Here's the overview proper. Following on from the first installment, water from a lake infected with a highly contagious form of necrotizing fasciitis is transported to a nearby high school in the form of bottled water. There, the students are getting ready for prom night, and in particular, loser John is trying to get girl of his dreams, Cassie, to go with him. Meanwhile, Winston, a local cop from the first film, puts the pieces together and realizes the water is infected and attempts to stop the company selling it, but ends up on the run from the military, here to stop the spread. At the high school, the infection rapidly begins to spread, turning prom into a bloodbath. John and Cassie attempt to flee, eventually making it out only for the army to catch up with John. Cassie comes across Winston, who takes her to safety, but the early signs of infection begin to show on her back. That was a... I I wanted it to be a tight summary, because that's pretty much it. You know, the structure of the movie is mostly... Oh, we know, we, the audience, know that a scene is going to happen. And then we just sort of watch it all happen. Yeah, but that's a good overview. This was a thought I had while watching Cabin Fever 1, but it extended into this. If Human Centipede was defined on this podcast by me watching it in my car while eating cold fettuccine, watching this was defined (laughs) watching it while feeling really sick in my stomach and also editing videos about baby poo at the same time. So, you know, it was a really... Also, like, sweaty and hot. It was a really gross experience. And then I'm watching all these people going, like, I'm dying and I'm sick. <laughs> what what, are, you, like, what, what are you editing at the awful. moment? Why are you, why are you editing it's, baby it's content <laughs> for uh, women who have just had babies? Like, it's good content, but you know, hey, anyone, don't watch it <laughs> while you watch Cabin Fever 1 or 2. <laughs> I, I feel like the worst thing... There's two terrible things when you're feeling sick to your tummy, which is one, having to sweat it out all day, <laughs> and two, having to look at images of feces. <laughs> and three, watching people go, help me, as they're like bleeding and fleshy. and <laughs> it was, It's like a bad fever dream. <laughs> it, wa- it was quite literally a bad fever dream. It was a sweaty, disgusting night, <laughs> everyone. That's awful. Guys, the things that we do for you, the listener. <laughs> yeah, and Michelle, if if it makes you feel any better i have my period and i woke up this morning and felt a bit sick in my in my tummy and ran to the bathroom and it i was there was just a, a puddle of blood everywhere in my underwear and it went all over my legs it was a real like massacre going and on down there, there are a lot of instances in both of those movies where people look down at their between their legs and there's a bunch of blood emerging so i can imagine yeah, that was it, a stressful thing it, it was definitely an on, uh, ominous sign for the day it was very it was it was foreboding <laughs> that's what it was there was that scene in the movie where cassie finds this woman who's like she's saying my baby my yeah. baby and she gets up and all this blood drips out from beneath like but between her legs that was me this morning that's where i was think think of that woman and then think of me and send me your thoughts and i don't want to think of that was one of the more upsetting part like a lot of it's like ha this is fun and campy and that was one where i'm like please let it end i'm dying in real life i don't want to watch this (laughs) i like i yeah i really liked the, the the components that I liked of the film is that I thought some of the acting was actually quite good. Like, I didn't think... There were some bits where, like, it's 
it, it is a comedy. So a lot of the mm. performances are t- like they're told to go over the top. And like some of the deliveries were quite good. Like I thought the girl that played Cassie and the guy that played Alex were really interesting actors because they felt quite believable. I thought they were good. Yeah, I thought they were, I thought the guy that yeah. played Alex was excellent, to be honest. Like, I found him Alex quite funny. Alex being the, the best friend. Yeah, yeah. And in right, his yeah. death scene, the reason that I realised, I was like, oh, I'm kind of having a good time with this film, is that in the scene where he died, I was a little bit upset. I was like, yeah. I liked this guy. I didn't want him to die. And the fact that he got to the library and found out that the disease was caused, like the disease was like a skin infection. And when his friend is like, oh my God, he's like, don't touch me, dude. It's a skin infection as he's dying. I'm like, this guy figured out what the disease was and he's saving his friend as he's dying. I like this character. Mm. And he seems so effortless in his achievements in this film. Like it's, it sounds like a dumb small thing, but watching a character be smart, find a book and find out what the infection is. I'm like, wow, this is a step above so many other films that we've done on this list because this character has been smart and has been funny and yeah. has been really fun to watch. He, he's also, like, such an, an honest portrayal of, like, a skeevy teen boy. Like, at one point yeah. he gets a blowjob in the bathroom, uh, a not-great blowjob in the bathroom from a woman who is not interested in him and more interested in revenge against someone else. And he's, yeah. he's just, like... So much exactly like a teenage boy that I was like, no, this is yeah. good. This is this is this is fun. It's like unceremonious. And, <laughs> and I liked Cassie because Cassie was like an actual teenage girl. Like, and she had this like mm. she didn't talk very normally. Like, she had a slight lisp. She sounded like a real person mumbling and lisping a little bit. And mm. I was like, oh my god. Like, I liked Cassie. I liked Alex. And I liked the scene where, well, the main character is in love with Cassie and always has been, but she's dating a total jerk. And there's a scene where he gets really upset at Cassie because he gets into a fight at the prom with the guy that she went to prom with. His nerd rage? Yeah, he has like this big incel rage at her, which again, super tongue-in-cheek. It's not a romantic scene. And I feel like the writers were like, let's put in like a fucking heinous incel rage at him. Like, let's say all the shit that he shouldn't say. Because this film is bizarre. This film does that. I, hmm, because when watching it, that was the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, the rest of the film is tongue in cheek, but this gave me like, man, this writer is not over being a teenager. And he thinks he was right the whole time because it was just such a like uh, classic nerd rage thing. Or I'm like, you need to get over your issues with women. I really hated that scene. Really? Because I thought this is tongue-in-cheek. Because a romantic Mm. scene, he would be like, are you crazy? Like, I've loved you this whole time. But he's literally getting, like, almost violently angry at her and swearing at her and using slurs. And I'm like, it can't be serious. Like, this has to be a joke. That was my interpretation, at least. I'll join you in a hope that it's like that. (laughs) Yeah. Because that would be better. I just thought that this film was too good at making fun of stupid men and creepy boys. To be yeah. able to to actually do that, to suddenly turn around and not understand what it was doing. Maybe I was just already against the lead character because he looks like he's the front man of the most mediocre cover band for Interpol. Uh, big Dane Cook guy. You know, he's just the worst. He, I hate him. I hated his faux hawk. I hated the fact that he looked like he was 30. I, his energy throughout the whole thing is too angry to be sympathetic and not angry enough to be... I don't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't get what his deal was. I'm like, are you a punk? Are you a nerd? Are you a loser? Are you a dropout? What's your fucking deal, man? You have no definable Sorry, traits. Sorry, wait. Are we talking about Interpol still? Or are we talking about the main character? No, I get Interpol. Interpol, I totally get. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about. I was like, <laughs> I was about to say, like, Michelle, I pride myself on having almost no opinions on Interpol. <laughs> and this is a really <laughs> long rant about. 
The lead singer no, of Interpol. Interpol, I get. They're like the least interesting of a sextuplet of bands that were all interesting in the early 2000s, right? Like, I get their deal. Uh, I don't get John's deal. I get everyone around him. I'm just going to move past it. Sorry, a bit came out. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> it was just a little bit. Keep going. Um, <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, like everyone, Alex, I'm like, I immediately get your deal. You're like a loser, but you're not nerdy enough to be with the nerds. And then there's like the two guys who are like, we're going to watch these cool horror movies instead of go to prom. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Your whole thing is just that no one likes you, right? Yeah. John is like, I'm above that, but he doesn't have his own shtick. Yeah, exactly right. You don't know where he's meant to fall. And look, like there's a lot of kids in high school that don't fall into a clique or don't have a shtick, but he, I think this is more ruled down to just bad screenwriting also john is a really odd name for a teenager in the 2000s i've never met a kid our age called john and we were in high school at this time we were in high school in 2009 we we weren't graduating but we were there no one was called john no one was called john no one was called john i i I feel like i definitely knew a johnny or a a john who went by jack i i knew a johnny in primary school but everyone called him johnny i don't think he ever grew up to be a john you know he was johnny you don't call a an, an eight-year-old John. <laughs> hey, John. So why were they calling this like sixteen-year-old? It's bizarre to me. Who knows? But also, I, I will say about the friend Alex as well. Mm. Alex is a great study in that confidence can get you fucking everywhere because he's meant to be this like chubby, like dorky kind of friend of his. Where like yeah. he can't get laid, but he wants to get laid. But literally, he just sidles in every scene with so much confidence that he's like. He's attractive to women in his own way. Like, mm. that's if you, <laughs> you know what? I'm putting this film forward as a case study in how confidence does generate attraction. All right. This, this film Alex, is the, the one. Character. Hey, listeners, if you're like, man, I never know how to get the girl, I never know how to seem like I belong in public, take a tip from Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, and just be confident. Just be confident, man. Even in death. Be confident like he was. He was ready to fucking embrace death. Also, these kids, what I liked about this film is that like it was really like campy in genre and again, tongue in cheek. So when there was like really heavy shit going down, it wasn't about the tragedy and horror of what they're viewing. It's them being like, oh my God, what are we going to do to get out of here and survive? And so there's no like emotional element to it. So there's literally a scene where the main character reads in the book that Alex got for him that he can survive by amputating his arm. Mm. And he amputates his arm by slicing it through like one of the metalwork slices with like Cassie holding his wrist down. And that sounds harrowing, but it was really fun. Like it was really fun. It's really pulpy and like blood flew everywhere, but they're like, ah, and they do it. And then she's fucking like, what do you call it? She, she, What's the term for it? Cauterizes. You, she cauterizes yeah, the wound she cauterizes with a blowtorch. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is really gory, grimy shit. But because it's done in such a campy, fun way, it was like a weird joy to watch. I was like, this is great. The it's protagonist kinda, is cutting his arm off. Yeah, it's kind of grindhouse B-movie kind of thing. Yeah. Like, reading about it in advance, because I, I had to so that we I could get the movie for us and uh, prep us and stuff. Re- hearing about some of the things that are in it, sound a lot more terrifying than actually watching it on screen because on screen i'm like oh this is silly like there's a lot there was a lot of people online who mentioned like oh there's one point where some blood comes out of and blood comes out of a guy's penis at one point alex's penis and like when you see it it 
it's not as gross. Like you, you kind of go, Ugh. but I'm like, I, you know, I've seen porn, you know, I, I, you know, I know what something coming out of a dick looks like. It's fine. It's fine. It's so weird. I just realized you're right. Like we literally saw a full fucking dick with blood coming out of it. And for some reason I didn't flinch at all. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh my God, it's a penis. I was like, oh shit, blood's coming out of that. <laughs> that like, is your normal reaction to penises though. <laughs> that's what Claude gets every day of his life. I'm like, what is that? What oh the my fuck God, is that's that? a penis. <laughs> oh my God. What do you do with that thing? That's crazy. I yeah, don't like, like it. A, Put it like away. a little kid who discovers that uh, people have different bodies. Oh my God, what is that? Is that a penis? That's not like mine. How do you get around yeah. with that thing? But holy shit, like I feel like I watched it and it like completely went over my head. I was just like, yep, yeah, that's a dick with blood coming out of it. Yeah, a lot of the... And, and Makes like, sense. <laughs> the lead up to the hand coming off, like you were saying, I was like, oh, this is going to be... And then you watch it and you're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It, the, yeah. the like terror the description generates in your brain is worse than actually watching it. Where I'm like, ah, it's just oh, like sure. buckets of red. For sure. I feel like every time I do any research about a film, if I read it, for instance, if I like do research on a film and I'm like, oh my God, there's like a sexual assault scene or like a mm. rape scene or something that looks really uncomfortable. If it's done well, I get to the movie and I'm like, that was fine. Yeah. Like that wasn't harrowing. That was good. Like. You, you know my whole rant on not having yeah. to be fucking traumatized when watching TV. Like, you can oh, still yeah. explore a concept without having to traumatize the viewers. Again, this film <laughs> casually delighted me. I give it me. And there's lots of little fun things, like Winston's whole arc, right? It, it, you know, after he finally puts the pieces together, he goes to, like, a diner, and he gets pancakes, which I thought was a fun choice from one of the most famous bits in the first one. There's a couple pancakes. of things like that. Pan- look, look, can we just describe that scene for the listeners? Oh, because yes, of course. Maybe some people, luckily, haven't seen Cabin Fever 1. There's a scene apropos of nothing where yeah. so the, the ca- main character... No, not the main character. Michelle. Uh, one of the main character's close friends, who at this point is already getting sweaty and already getting sick. He's like the comic relief character, though, but he's been the most, like, we got to quarantine ourselves goes to the town to get help. He goes the, returns to the general store where there is a guy who looks like he's played by Elliot Smith. Um, yeah. And there is a little blonde kid who looks like you. he time warped from 1972 uh, to right now, <laughs> who was just sitting on the thing. He talks to the, gro- to the grown man. The man goes inside and then they drifts over to the little boy who then goes, pancakes pancakes in this strange close-up and then screams pancakes and it cuts back to the guy who mugs the camera (laughs) and then as it cuts back to the boy it's a wide shot where he in slow-mo jumps towards him and starts air doing like bad karate (laughs) bad martial arts and like just flailing his limbs around and then he's like no and then he yells pancakes again and then bites into his hand and then immediately goes as if he's just become aware of what he's doing. And then uh, Elliot Smith runs up and pulls him off and is like, God damn what you do. And like tells him to fuck <laughs> off. And like, that's the scene. That's the scene. I think we owe it to our listeners to post that scene on Twitter because it's sure. just too good not to post. I think that's, yeah, w- we make that promise. <laughs> We've made that promise. We're sticking to it. But that that scene was, I remember watching Cabin Fever 1, still not understanding fully that it was a cor- like a horror mm. comedy because it wasn't funny enough. And I was like, this is just absurd. Like this isn't even, it's not even this funny scene that makes sense. Like the thing about comedy is that you have to let the viewer know it's a joke. And I spent the entirety of most of Cabin Fever being like, is this a joke? Is it? I don't, I don't know. Cause it was totally so off. And I remember in that pancake scene, 
I mean, it's not just the hair that made it memorable, although the hair really does stick in your brain. I was just so, I was like, I've never, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I'm surprised I didn't just turn the movie off at that point. Mm. But I got to say, that little fucking blonde hair with the fringe that he's got got going on, Mm. total, like, 80s glam band vibes going on. Like, it's like, he's like Cherie Curry without the feathering and layering. Like Mark Hamill, but longer, you know, like a real 70s. Yeah. It's a real look. His haircut is what I had when I was also like seven years old. Uh, uh, fucking Bjorn from ABBA, right? That, that yes. look. That's what it is. Um, yeah, you know, Bjorn and Anna, all in one. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he also delivers the line like he's never acted before, which he probably hasn't. He hasn't. Uh, he's a random kid. And they're like, you know what? Shout whatever you want. And then fucking karate chop the, ki- the shit out of the main character. Kick him, fly kick him, whatever you want. Is you go nuts what happened him. is he just did it. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, so, like, Giuseppe Andrews, the the cop, Winston, his arc in the thing was, like, fun comic relief to keep cutting back to. He gets pancakes, and then he's like, oh, shit, I gotta work this out. And then he goes and he stumbles across, like, Judah Friedlander, who I thought was both a surprise and not a surprise to see. Yeah, Uh, look, every time I see Judah Friedlander, it is a disappointment, on my end at least. I'm like, oh, here you go. I'm just going to have to watch five minutes of you not being funny again after watching seven seasons of 30 Rock. I just can't believe that, like, the exact, the exact peak of his comedy career was the moment that he got to negotiate the terms of his 30 Rock contract, right? And say that he is in the opening credits. (laughs) Absolutely got to be in the opening credits. (laughs) But the other writers, the other cast members of the show are not. <laughs> like, even no. though they're the same status as him within the show. <laughs> God, uh, your random hats, Jonah Fried- Judah, Judah Friedlander. Judah Friedlander. If you're listening right now, which we know you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, no I just fan. want you to know that your random little caps that just have a random word on them uh, have never been funny, are not funny, will never be funny in the future just give them up like I, I hated it i never understood it as a joke it would just say things like pizza or like not on like just random fucking shit I think it doesn't make be sense funnier if it was a cartoon you know because then it's like it feels more like a fun background gag but they feel too in your face for a real person anyway i think it'd be funnier if it just said pancakes on it because this <laughs> there's this really funny scene actually in this film oh yeah yeah uh, please tell where tell, this kid just like randomly okay so what happens is that no the, i'm pretty no, sure it's actually the main character um rocks up and don't do this <laughs> hey so yeah the scene where judah friedlander is there <laughs> I literally just read this, by the way, just really quickly. The pancake sure. scene in Cabin Fever 1 was made up during filming after Eli Roth saw Matthew Helms, the kid, practicing taekwondo during a break. He taekwondo. discovered that Helms was a real-life black belt, so he decided to add the scene to give a chance for Helms to show what he could do. Showing off someone else's fucking karate chops, or sorry, taekwondo chops, is not a reason to include a scene in a film. It just also as a screenwriter. is, if it's meant to represent that he has a black belt in taekwondo... He looks like he's never moved his body before. <laughs> like, he, it doesn't look like skilled martial arts. <laughs> oh, so I, I don't understand. I, d- I remember reading that Cabin Fever people thought it was, like, kind of funny and clever. Oh, and I just Peter don't, Jackson don't get it. Peter Jackson made everyone on set watch it, uh, on the Lord Why? of the Rings set watch it. Quentin Tarantino called him the future of horror. Guess he was yeah, well- wrong about that one. Yeah, I guess he was. Because what's Eli Roth done recently? Um, what has get he a done divorce? 
Probably. Nice. I mean, he's allowed to get a divorce. You don't have to stay married to your partner. Uh, Yeah, you do. I'm getting married this year. No, you have to stay married to your partner. Yeah, I do. It's actually part of the the podcast contract. (laughs) So, yeah, the the Judah Friedlander scene, I particularly loved it because, like, he comes in and he's like, come on, man, you got to fucking listen. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you want a beer? And I love he just goes out of nowhere. Ooh, daddy. Yeah. Got another fucking beer, man? The, the, office, so the officer is really funny. He's like, He's come on, so man. Funny. We got to get out of this town. It's all going to pieces, man. Let's just get on the road. Like, he's just such an odd character. And I'm like, I don't care that this is hammy. It's fucking funny. It's like alleviating the entire film. Yeah. I Hey, Giuseppe Andrews, if you ever hear this, big fan. Love your work in this. <laughs> Good we job. We love you, Giuseppe. Like, you're the opposite of Eli Roth you're all good vibes positive vibes from you easily the best part of Cabin Fever 1 as well so was he in Cabin Fever 1 yeah he was he was the same character in Cabin Fever 1 oh my god I thought they just busted out this new character for Cabin Fever 2 I totally forgot him in Cabin Fever 1 it's been a while yeah okay yeah do you ever stop and you get really upset because you're like yeah I've watched this movie but yeah I I stop and get upset (laughs) all the time yeah like you've watched this movie but you actually just don't remember that much about it. Like, it's not even that that much time has elapsed. Like, I feel like I watched a movie last year and I can't remember a lot of it. Like, Mm. I showed Claude Succession and I literally watched Succession season one and two last year. And when we're going through season two, Claude was like, man, like, it feels like you haven't seen this before. Like, you can't remember a lot of it. And I was like, I guess I can't remember a lot of it. And I was like, it feels annoying because I'm consuming this media because I want to hang on to it and know it and return back to it and, like, have it as something that I can refer to. But it seems like a lot of it just flutters out of my head anyway. And then sometimes I stop and I'm like, well, what's the point of consuming media if none of it's going to stick? I feel like, though, there is a distinction between the, like – Ability to recall the specific events and ingesting, internalizing, and understanding like the themes and thoughts, like that. What you come away from watching something that's like good, mm. that'll stick with you, even if you don't remember the specific sequence of events in the show that led up to it. You know, that's true. That's true. And like, even though I can't remember certain bits of it, I can remember the thing, like certain things about it. I'm like, oh mm. yeah, it's that film about these people that do that. Like I can remember it because I've seen. I can remember the general just because I've seen it. But when people are like, oh, you remember that scene where I'm like, no. No, I don't. I don't remember that scene. I don't remember that actor. I don't remember that sequence. Yeah. I don't remember who it was directed by. Don't ask me questions that I can't answer. Maybe it's just the drags that have eradicated my brain, but I think I've always been this forgetful, to be honest. I think you have as well. So I don't think it's just the drags. Wow. wow. Oh, don't, you, don't worry. You wow. won't remember that I've said this next week. That's true. I'm upset now, but <laughs> wait, what are we talking about? Uh, we're about to talk about some trivia. I'm just goofing. Oh, oh. trivia. <laughs> we're just goofing here. I remember what you said. So I wanted to start first with just one piece of trivia of Cabin Fever 1 that I saw and I'm like, I have to bring this up. The auditions for the lead female character, Marcy, had been scheduled to take place on September 11, 2001. Oh, that's that's a memorable date. Was it in New York at the time? Like, were they auditioning? Oh, what, what, what time? Like what time of day? After. Oh, no. There was then a citation needed of the story of Eli Roth trying to cancel the auditions, but too many of the women showed up. And I'm like, I don't know whether that's true, but that's a weird thing to add. That's wild. Yeah, I don't think, I think trying to get in touch with someone on the day of 9-11 would be really difficult. Uh, Yeah. People are preoccupied. (laughs) 
<laughs> with a certain event. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I thought was interesting that I wanted to save until the trivia um, is that this was a film that was ex- apparently extensively recut uh, by the studio, allegedly also reshot a lot, but the primary things are in the reshoots were that end sequence of the strip club. That was a new addition. Uh, because of the extensive re-editing and reshooting by the producers, director Ty West requested to have his name removed from the film and replaced with the popular su- pseudonym Alan Smithy. Um, and he- okay, wait, this is not the first time we've come across a director yes. doing that, where yeah. the producers have completely massacred the film that they wanted so that they complete, they get, they get a stage name essentially to attach to the film and they completely disassociate from it. Yeah. So for, for people who don't know, Alan Smithy is a a director's guild of America thing where you can say like, Oh, this person is the director, but it's a fake person. No one directed it. Um, he was denied the request to do so, but I, I've got some quotes from interviews with him and the producers because it gets more complicated because that just sounds like oh it was a good film and then the producers meddled so here's the quote from him from ty west i very much wanted the alan smithy credit that would have been a silver lining to me um i would have been more than happy to have promoted the film if i had if I had had Alan Smithy on it, they said, no, I'm not DGA. So I couldn't do it. And the DGA doesn't do Alan Smithy anymore. Anyway. So it was a bummer situation with that. I really do not feel like it's my film. This was a film that was really made by a bunch of other people on that production. And it's unfortunate. We cut the movie together. Everyone was like, this is going to be great. Then there was this, oh, it should be different. Like all the greatness of the past six months had never happened. They were like, this is the direction we're going with. Come with us. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And then said, then you should do it by yourself. I knew there was no collaboration at that point. So he was offered the chance to go to continue editing with them. This isn't, they did it behind his back. They fully were like, yeah, we think you'll want to do this. And he was like, that's not my vision. Uh, Oh, And also, by the way, it struck me, like the first point where I started actually turning back against Ty West was when he was like, and I'm not ADG. And I'm like, you've directed movies before. I want to know your reason for not being in your union uh, because Mm. I I know that there's a whole circle around Tarantino that are not super pro-union and that bums me the fuck out. Um, Interesting. Because here is- Why are they not pro-union? Do you know anything about that? Um- Tarantino once said that Michelle he doesn't just like flashed really wide eyes at me. Tarantino really once way. said that he doesn't like using union crews so that people aren't on set worried about pay and like being against each other. You know, they're all just all on the same team. To which I'd say that being in a union would make them on the same team. That's, That's kind so of the definition. Wild. Yeah. I feel like the annoying thing is like he's Quentin Tarantino, so like he can just get whoever he wants to work on his set without yeah. necessarily paying them the right rates because he's Quentin fucking Tarantino and everyone's dying to work with him. Yeah. I'm not saying that he like constantly over like underpays his staff, but I feel like for those like really like middling people that work in a crew, like runners, mm. they're probably not paid well. Anyway, that's yeah. a whole different thing. So now here was one of the interesting things. Um, Mose, one of the, the, the lead sort of producer, she said, I know all the different cuts, except for the tag ending. This film is probably 90% West's cut. It's got the wipes in there. It's got the animation in there that he wanted, which by the way, the animated opening we didn't talk about and was actually really fun. Um, It's got the 80s references, Mm. the Ramones for the songs. I worked very hard to maintain the vision he saw and maintained what he wanted when he wasn't around. 
Uh, she re-edited Spring Fever to punch up its outrageous John Waters-esque moments involving severed limbs, oozing penises, and odd sexual cup, uh, couplings. West's not a comedy director, so that's why she enlisted the help of Janice Hampton, the editor of Waters comedies such as Hairspray and Serial Mum. No way! Yeah. Some of the cast also said that they were baffled by West's rejection of the film and described it as pretty fucking funny and awesome. So what sounds like studio interference was a lot more Ty West being like, this isn't my vision, thus I want to stand away. And like the idea of him doing the Alan Smithy thing sounds less desperate and more like, this is what we do in film. Ha ha ha. You know, like it sounds like everyone else is like, this is his film. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's odd that he's trying to separate himself from something that was very much maintained in his own vision. I'd mm. be interested to know why. But, like, I don't know why because, like, I think this film isn't great, obviously. It's on this list for a reason in that, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of other things that we've watched because there was a lot of enjoyable moments, but the tone is still weird. There's a lot of bad jokes. There's a lot of, like, graphic gore for no reason. Like, mm. And it's not an original premise at all. No. But it's not as bad as other things we've watched. So it's like, I feel, I still feel like doing the sequel to Eli Roth's Cabin Fever is still probably a really good credit to have. Yeah. I'm interested. Well, he still has it, on. you know. He got denied yeah. because he's not a member of his union. So he doesn't <laughs> get hurt. Poor hunky Eurasian Ty West. <laughs> Our visions of Ty West would be in their union. <laughs> yeah. One last piece of trivia. Ryder Strong, who played the lead character in the original, receives top billing in the film despite appearing for less than a minute of screen time, which I thought was actually what? just a fun gag in the film. Is like, yeah. Ryder Strong is coming back, and then he just gets obliterated. That's fun. That's true. I did like that. I liked that at the beginning of the film, Ryder Strong's character Paul like resurfaces out of the 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 creek that he's like left in, and he yeah. crawls his way back onto a highway, and that's when he's hit by the school bus in that first scene. But like when he resurfaces out of the lake, I mean, your mind naturally goes back to the infamous scene at the end of Friday the Thirteenth One, where Jason Voorhees like launches out of the lake, and you're like, mm. oh my god, he's gonna come back as a killer for the next one. But, like, in this one, he launches out of the lake and you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? He's killed by a bus. I liked yeah. that. I was like, I didn't expect that at all. I didn't think he was, like, this massive, like, I thought he was going to be the villain of the the piece and him mm. getting eradicated in, like, the first second. I was like, that's good. It's that's fun. fun. Do you want to hear some reviews? Fun things. Yes, I want to hear some reviews. Reviews! So this has 4.3 on IMDb and 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. But here is... Uh, an IMDb review titled called Favorite Film by Marissa Kolayani. Um, just another person who's just, it's just their full name. Cabin Fever is my all-time favorite horror movie. It's the kind of movie that's just sick and I completely love it. I've seen it more than 10 times and I enjoy it every time. This flesh-eating virus is so much different than any others. The way they fall apart is spectacular. I'm hoping for more cabin fevers. Eli Roth is amazing. Hope to see more, and this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I love how twisted this film is. It would make a person feel sick, but that's the type of horror that I like. Something so good and intense that most people have to close their eyes. Very good film. All of the cabin fevers are written by Eli. That's not true. A very well made <laughs> 10 out of 10. I love a review that drops false information for me. It's like a red herring. I love having to investigate myself afterwards. I, ha I have two more reviews. Here is a longer one, and I just got it because it is really something. So bear with me. 
This is a title called Crazy, Gross, Disgusting, Fun, dot, 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 by Troy H. King. Man, fucking go off, King. I also want it known every time I'm giving a pause, like for the end of a sentence, it is actually space, comma, dot, dot. Don't know why. Space, comma, every dot, single. Dot. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> every single sentence ends like they that. They call them a calypses, for a sure. <laughs> a You've never heard of a calypses? Oh, yeah, no, Someone yeah. Someone didn't I, graduate English in the HSC. Oh, I've heard of a cum lipsies. Hey. Oh. Hey. Oh. hey. Why make it sexual, man? Why make it sexual? I, I, I didn't. You should be ashamed of yourself. Your mind did, you fucking daddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is crazy, gross, disgusting fun. All right. I have actually just saw Cabin Fever 2. And guess what? Not so bad. Of course, so again, all of these pauses, comma, dot, dot. Of course, if you're coming into this thinking it's going to be more of a film than the last, you're going to be wrong. I didn't think the first CB was all that great because really, did Eli Roth do something that just cannot be duplicated? I didn't think so. In fact, this film is better because it just goes all the way and makes no apologies for what it is. With animation that should just not work, Yes, I said animation. When I was told the ending was animated, I have to admit, I thought someone was pulling my leg. But it's there, and it does its work in its quirky way. It also helps that it has a pretty darn good soundtrack to go along with it. But what this movie is about is the grosses of beep that one could or could never think of happening. Happens. I mean, if you were a film... <laughs> I mean, if you were a film... Wait, filmmaker- wait. <laughs> What's the censored bit? <laughs> Who knows? Do they just literally write beep? Yeah, they wrote beep in italics. Fuck. Okay. Um, I mean, if you were a filmmaker that was thinking of a way to top the shaving scene of the first movie and you started drinking and kept thinking of things and writing them down until you were drunk and didn't stop writing until you passed out, this is what you get. It's about the bad old water supply that was hinted to in The Last Cabin Fever at the end and what happens if it was delivered to the local town folk. Specifically bottled water making its way to the local high school but all hell breaks loose everywhere because everyone in town drinks the bottled water. That's it. No more, no less. Very graphic and very (laughs) nasty. Which is not a bad thing. So, I mean, there's a lot more. There's a lot more. (laughs) It's exactly what you want in this kind of movie. But I will warn you, if you hate seeing bloody urine in a high school punch bowl, self-mutilated hands by way of chop saw, puking penises, read that last one again. Oh, yeah, that's right. Very, very fat chicks that get naked. (laughs) (laughs) Messing around in the school pool only to start bleeding from the holiest of holes. Turning the whole pool red and at the same time their teeth start falling out while they drown. Still, other chicks except hotter this time giving, well, giving what they can with blisters on their tongues. Well, come on. You can't just hate it. Can we? There are a lot of folks that like this stuff. I'm one of them and it's a fun film. (laughs) I dug it. So keep a lookout. Hope this is at least a look of at what you're going to get it, and it helped. Take care. I'll see you at the movies. Save see the ya. handicap seats for me. Ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Save the handicap seats for me. Well, that was a quote, definitely by the my, way. <laughs> my, definitely my favorite sign-off to any review. 
ever. Also, the 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 holiest of holes is I'm never going to refer to my vagina as anything else. That was the moment that I was like, I don't care how long this is, I'm putting it in the episode. <laughs> I have to say, as someone that is currently bleeding out of their holiest of holes, when people feel like in the review, they were like, oh, if you can stomach watching like penises ooze blood. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's just like totally half the planet are not used to blood oozing out of their genitals yeah. like, all the time. All that's the a, time. That's a common thing. I'm like, thing. that's not graphic. That's fucking normal, man. I accidentally, I, I'm not going to get into it again. That was a real piece of work. And um, yeah, we'll see you at the handicap seats. Yeah. Well, not in the handicap. We'll be near the handicap. See ya. Bye. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be in them. I can't wait to see we're why Troy is. We're not going to take up that space. <laughs> um, and I want to end on this last review. Uh, awesome by Andrew Fionda. A lot of the reviews, just people's full names. <laughs> classic movie, classic. Movie, classic. Movie, movie. Classic, movie, classic, movie. Classic, classic, movie. 10 out of 10. Did Nim the Chimp sign that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a full sentence. He's doing great. (laughs) I don't think this experiment is working. That's beautiful. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I don't know how how else to express it, but... It's now your turn to try. Abby, what was your review? Well, this is what I think. I think not classic movie, classic, not classic, not classic movie, not, 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 Mm. not movie, not classic, classic movie, not, not. But fun movie, fun, 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 movie, fun, fun, good time, good time, classic, not classic, but good fun time for movie, fun, fun. Yeah, I had a good time with it. I'm going to give it a... It was a classic double dodeca negative. You know what? I just think that, like, if if I gave fucking College Road Trip a very generous 4.2 out of 10, this film, like, genuinely, there's bits of it that I will remember. Mm. Like, I thought some of the, the, the cast was quite good. I thought some jokes were fun. I liked how, like, campy and, and silly it was. So I'm going to give this bad boy a fuck. Like, I would watch this 100% again instead of a good year and if good year is our five mm. this bad boy is getting like a 5.5 out of 10 for me five and i didn't five. think i would say that i went into this film being like oh my god here we go remembering how much i hated cabin fever yeah. i was shocked and delighted i'm shocked and delighted wow 5.5 look yeah i'm not going to be quite as generous just to j- spoilers but like i know exactly what you mean I, there were a lot of parts that I, I enjoyed it way more than I was expecting. Certainly the fact that I had just watched Cabin Fever whilst almost feeling like I was going to pass out because I was sweating so much and just staring at pictures of baby poo. I wasn't even doing work. That was just a, uh, a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've seen your phone, Michelle. I, I know what's there. It was such a your relief. Your searches are all poo, baby, baby, poo, poo, baby, baby, poo, baby, poo, poo, <laughs> yeah, poo? I, question mark. Well, Andrew Fionda took my phone at one point. Um, <laughs> but I... I I think for me, it's like 90 minutes long. The first 60, I would agree with you, is a 5.5. The last 30 minutes really put me off. It turned into kind of a slog for me, and I really Really? didn't like the end portion of it. I also think part of that is like to to treat it as as a critic would. I think the fundamental problem with both this and Cabin Fever 1 is because it's about a sickness, the premise of the movie is... We kind of know immediately that they're all sick, so every tactic they do doesn't work. And then, you know, like, even with John and Cassie, like, yeah, maybe the amputation worked, but then he gets got anyway. And, like, he doesn't even save Cassie because then Cassie's sick. And I'm like, well, what was... I don't know. Like, 
That's very true. Like, it's good to watch people be good at things. Yeah. But again, I think you're thinking of, like, a normal film, but my my fucking grading scale is completely slanted towards toleration, not <laughs> yeah. perfection. So. I think, I think I have to dock points because of my thing of how much of a movie is it. I think people come to movies for different things, and there's a lot of not a movie to come and enjoy. Rating it as a movie, I think I would give it a 3.8 which I think for this list is generous with the caveat that I think it's fun and I had more fun watching it than some of the fours I've given, you know? That's a good rating. That's a good rating. Well, that was Cabin Fever 2. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, at Rate Descend Pod. You can find us on TikTok, at Rating Descending, or you can email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. I love reading the emails, so please do. Mm, please do please email us even if it's just to to you know just like i don't know tell us what's on your mind what have you been up to like we haven't heard from you in ages we're actually worried about you i mean there's a fucking pandemic on are you safe just let us know are you safe are you okay concerned mothers if you tweet i'll tweet back you can go like i had this thought i'll be like haha that's fun and interesting you know but i'll stand there behind michelle waggling my fingers being like no it's not (laughs) because you need a bit of you need to be humbled sure also don't forget to follow us on our personal accounts i'm on instagram under abigail j ward i'm on both twitter and instagram at michelle.stclair and don't forget to leave us a review on apple Podcasts. it genuinely makes a lot of difference not even just on apple Podcasts, on anything that you listen to us on if there's a review Actually, option leave us a review spotify just added the ability to <gasps> review podcasts so oh our spotify God, listeners guys. please if you could review us that would be really please. really great That'd be amazing. If that's a new function, jump on our little potty because we know that you do and leave us a little review. But all the reviews have to be like, Abigail is so sexy. If anything, she's getting sexier. Yeah. That's all I want to know. Make all of the reviews on Spotify just about Abby and all the Apple Podcast ones just about me. And and I will set up a premise that is fundamentally going to work against me it's going to be great or you could do or you could do the apple ones about me as well i don't know like it's up to you like i'm not can i have like, some reviews you want. Uh, i don't know are okay. you worth reviewing michelle prove it oh, i don't think so i'm sorry yeah well what are we watching next week next week we are watching the comebacks nice i'm pretty sure that don't has know what that is david kuchner i think it it was also known as sports movie I don't know. It's your episode, so you can tell me, is this one of the movie movies that has an alternate title or is this its own thing? But sports, love them. Oh, get keen for it, guys. Get and keen. start training. No, I mean, I am keen. It's going to be sports, sports, G- get him in sports. the field, throw that ball, and catch it. Sports.